0: Well, hey there, and welcome to another edition of The Retirement Toolbox. Walter Storholt here alongside Scott Searles, financial advisor, president of Skybox Financial Group in the greater Cleveland area, also serving you in Bradenton, Florida, and the surrounding communities there. Find us online at skyboxfinancialgroup.com. We're going to put the 20 years of experience that Scott brings to the table each show to the test on today's program as we talk about flirting with disaster in your financial life, going to point out some areas where you may be flirting with disaster and not even know it. That and much more coming up today. Scott, great to be with you, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great, Walter. How about yourself? Doing well. I've gotten my second vaccine. It knocked me on my butt. A couple of, you know, by the time this is airing, I'll have been well clear of getting the second shot. But but yeah, it was a little bit of a rough go of it. But I think, Scott, it was because I was dehydrated. I wasn't thinking because I was kind of groggy from the shot, and I realized looking back I didn't really drink any water all day. So that probably is what led to the symptoms being worse than they probably would have been if I'd been hydrated. So my advice to anybody still floating around and, and thinking about getting their shots: hydrate before the shot.
1: Well, I, I've heard, I've actually heard that where you hydrate before and after you get the shot. Yep. Yep. And, and it helps what flush it through or something like that. Yeah,
0: or just like normal, you know, processes, I guess, you know, like I just, I realized because I I'd kind of lost my appetite and I wasn't really hungry. So then I didn't drink with, you know, eating any food. And right. I didn't, I, I skipped my morning coffee that day just because I was kind of, I just didn't really feel like making it. I was too, I was too tired to make it, you know, it was just kind of groggy and like, eh, just kind of bleh feeling. But I realize, you know, that gives you some liquids in the morning, and then usually you're drinking something with lunch, and then all of a sudden I got to three o'clock and had a massive headache and fever, and, you know, it would have been helpful if I'd had some water in the body. So, yeah, you it's know, the simple you, things.
1: <laughs> you have to do what I do. I set that coffee timer before I go to bed, and then when I wake up in the morning, the coffee's already done.
0: That's I true. And it, it smells my good cup. too, right? It, when you yeah. wake up. Yeah. yeah. I, I did that for a while. I need to get back into that habit, because nothing beats that. That is nice.
1: Well, because in the morning you're like half, still half asleep and you're like trying to make the coffee and it's a bigger pain as, as opposed to just the night before, you know, getting, getting it all ready, putting the little, you know, program it, get the timer on and then you wake up and it's just good to go.
0: I am definitely going to do that tonight. I'm going to go set it and get back into the habit of doing that because yep. it is pleasant and very nice. So yeah. there we go. Great advice. See, advice already to start off the program today. Get hydrated for the vaccine and uh, set your coffee pot to brew in the uh, morning automatically, and you'll be in good shape.
1: There's tons of good advice here on the retirement toolbox
0: podcast. We got lots of good financial advice to get to today. We were also going to have a question a little bit later on from Bradley, and uh, Bradley's kind of wondering about uh, maxing out 401ks and Roth IRAs before doing individual like taxable brokerage accounts and kind of the best way to handle all of those moving parts and uh, we're going to find out something that scott has done that he vows to never ever do again in his life in our getting to know you segment so all that and more coming up today unfortunately we will not have a movie and tv review on today's program because scott we've just been too busy we haven't been able to consume very much tv or in the way of movies the last couple of weeks so we're going to skip it for the month of may
1: all right. Yep. I'm knee deep in lacrosse. I've watched a bunch of lacrosse games, but, but that, that not, much, yeah. not much TV.
0: Yeah. I, I feel like we can't count sports because the it's already happened, so then we can't really recommend it, right? Like, it'd be silly to say, well, I watched March Madness. I really recommend to you to you know, give basketball another another try if you've never watched March Madness before. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so exactly. People are either watching their sports or they're not. So we, we leave that out. Uh, so we'll we'll resume that again in our June episodes. All right, let's talk about flirting with disaster, Scott, because I think this is really important. We're not just talking about where people make mistakes, but also where they're making mistakes and they don't even know it. So it's like they don't even yeah. know better that some little disaster is is brewing inside of their portfolio. This is the This is the earthquake that comes out of nowhere and we had no warning about it versus a hurricane or, you know, we we knew tornadoes were a possibility today and we were aware of those things that might have happened. These are the things that kind of come up and grab us out of nowhere, like a a random earthquake or something like that. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about some examples of where we see this in everyday life. I'm sure you have many stories where these things have popped up before. I know one area has to be out-of-date legal documents. People have taken the time to do a legal document, which is more said than most people have yeah, put the effort yeah. into it. But then they don't realize they've created a, a little, you know, ticking, ticking bomb inside their portfolio if things get outdated.
1: Well, you know, the thing, too, is that you're, you're right. So there's a lot of people that haven't created documents. So step one, get documents. But I just had a guy come into the office the other day, and he, his wife had passed away. He never updated anything, any of his legal documents. And when we're talking legal documents, we're not only talking wills and trusts. I think when it comes to some of the more important documents that always have updated too, is your powers of attorney for health care and financial decisions. So those need to be up updated for, for several reasons. Number one, things change. So if a spouse or loved one passed away, you got to update those documents because it said that maybe your, your late husband, he you know, had the authority to make decisions for you if you were incapacitated, but you know what? They're not around, then it creates a problem. So you need to update them you know, for personal things that have happened in your life, but also update all these documents, wills, trusts, powers of attorney, living will, all those things because the laws change. Or maybe you moved from another state to another state, and they're different. Uh, I had another client come in earlier this year and uh, moved from Virginia to Cleveland, right here in Strongsville. And, of course, they hadn't updated any other documents. So we had, you know, I had to get them in touch with an attorney because we don't prepare legal documents and have all those things updated because they, they needed to have them adjusted for the, for the state. Of Ohio, as opposed to the state of Virginia, and because there are going to be variations, so those are things you need to watch out for. Different life events, moving, people passing, and and simply time, because you know laws change. They need all these documents need to be updated.
0: It's just a good rule of thumb, not just for legal documents, but your financial plan, anything that maybe hasn't been touched or addressed in some period of time. That's acceptable. Um, you know, those things need to get talked about, resurfaced, and gone over again. So, legal documents definitely one of those areas. Now, sometimes it's not because something is out of date, but there could be something that's incorrect on the form. And we see this sometimes with beneficiary designations. And this, more than anything, Scott, can really rock a financial plan if people aren't ready for it.
1: Well, I, I see this absolutely, you know, more than anything else is, is the incorrect beneficiary designations. And Again, you need to update these when things change in your life, you know, whether it's divorces or marriages. Every year when, when clients come in, and a minimum of once a year to do a review with me, we do and we review all their beneficiaries because things change in their life, things happen. Maybe they don't like one kid anymore that they, you know, used to like a lot. It used to be their favorite, now they're not, or maybe the kids become a spendthrift and then we need to update and change those things. But I see most often that somebody passes away and the surviving spouse or whoever has not updated those beneficiaries so you need to review them on an ongoing basis and another problem I see too is that people don't know or realize the difference between a per capita beneficiary designation and a per stirpes beneficiary designation and let's say you have two of your children as beneficiaries on your IRA. And remember, everything that has, you know, IRAs, life insurance, annuities, you know, the, all these rules apply for anything that has beneficiary designations on them. But it, let's say you have your two children as beneficiaries. If one of your children were to predecease you, if you have a per capita beneficiary designation, your child's share that had predeceased you would go to your other child so in other words if it was a million dollar account and they were each going to get $500,000 each and one of them predeceases then the all million goes to that other surviving children child per stirpes would mean that in that same scenario 500 500 two kids the beneficiaries if one of them predeceased 500 would go to the your one child that's still alive and then the other five hundred would go to your deceased child's children, so it would stay within that whole line there. I guess you could sign and say. So people, you know, they assume maybe that's what's going to happen, or they didn't realize that's going to happen. So I think educating yourself too when you update these beneficiaries is a smart thing to do.
0: I think it's just one of those things where this is this is the definition of crossing the T's and dotting the i's, right? This is just where it's really important to triple check everything and make sure you've got it right, because the precedent is there. If you have the wrong thing written down, it's not going to matter. It's, no. They're going to go by the letter of what you put down.
1: Yeah, they, you can't go to a seance and start communicating what you want back to your... I, I've never seen that happen, so... That would
0: be interesting. I, I'd like to see somebody try to do that just for the court case and the, you know, see what precedents get set.
1: Could you imagine that in, in a courtroom that they have a professional seance person? Hey, in today's world, I can imagine anything. That's true. That yeah, is true. Yeah.
0: Uh, all right. So we've got out-of-date legal documents, incorrect beneficiary designations, two areas where people are often flirting with disaster in their financial plans, shifting gears a little bit away from the paperwork element of financial planning. Let's talk about taxes. And we've all kind of probably heard somebody mention that your portfolio might have a ticking tax time bomb inside of it. What exactly is that? And um, it seems like I would know if there was a bomb ready to go off inside my plan.
1: Oh, no, there's bombs all over the place and you have no (laughs) idea they're there. And this is a perfect example, right? There's, There's
0: no one calling in the threat, if you will.
1: That's right. This is the ticking tax time bomb. And you know what, Walter, I have been calling in the threat for years, okay? There's no doubt that there is an issue where our IRAs and our retirement accounts, our tax-deferred accounts, are continuing to build and build and build this tax liability. We can make a pretty good case, I've done it 100 times on this podcast before, that tax rates more than likely are going to go up in the future. We, you know, Our budget deficit, I mean, our national debt is getting close to $30 trillion now. Social Security's running out of money. Medicare's running out of money. You know, interest rates are low. Our national debt payments are going to start going up. So the government's going to need money. And and plus, we've seen here in the last few months, I mean, we just, you know, we're continuing to add programs and spend more money. So the government's going to need and want some more money down the road. So more than likely, those rates are going up. So we're continuing to defer. We're at the lowest historical tax rates of our life right now. You know, tax rates are most likely going to be going up. So why are we deferring paying taxes today to pay them later on on a larger dollar amount and a higher tax rate? So it's something you need to think and plan about. And so that's that bomb that's in there, that, that we just continue adding it and adding it and adding that liability. And then not only you later on in your retirement, but when the money gets passed down to your kids, they have 10 years to take that money out once they receive it. And guess what? they're gonna to have to pay taxes on it at their tax rates, which they're probably in their peak earning years when they inherit that money. And then they gotta add on more money to pay the taxes on mom or dad's retirement accounts. So I encourage everybody to meet with a financial professional, a fiduciary, someone that's going to help you through the process of taking a look at that. And if you don't have somebody and you have questions, you can always go to my website and order our Tax-Free Retirement Toolkit there's a book in there. There's a bunch of information in there that's going to start heading you on that right path to defuse that ticking tax time bomb.
0: Absolutely. Again, if you want to go to uh, skyboxfinancialgroup.com or just check the description of today's show, we'll have a link in there where you can get that tax-free retirement toolkit and learn a little bit more. Again, like Scott said, diffusing that tax time bomb. You're right, Scott, you have been calling in um, the threat that these bombs pose to people's portfolios. But it's up to them to pick up the phone and, and hear the threat and do something about it. And uh, that, that's, that's always the, the beginning action to defuse it has to lie with the person whose portfolio it is.
1: Walter, I've been calling in so many times, if this were any other type of bomb, I'd be in
0: jail. <laughs> That's very true. Hopefully nobody takes this podcast out of context, but, uh, or, or goes in and edits it and takes out some of the financial elements. <laughs> Otherwise, it's going to sound very sketchy. Yes. Uh, but point taken on the tax time bomb there for sure. All right, uh, another area where people are flirting with disaster. They're sticking the head in the sand when it comes to long-term care expenses. Uh, they really have no plan for how to address those things. And this still falls, like, it's it's one of those things that we know we should plan for, but sometimes people just don't even realize the threat that that poses to the plan. So it's kind of like this isn't you saw the bomb. This is you saw the suitcase, and you, you realized it was out of place in the airport, but you didn't do anything about it because it was a suitcase. It wasn't obvious that it was going to become a problem. That's how I view the long-term care issue.
1: Well, you know what? It, it's the easiest thing for people to procrastinate on. If I had a, a dollar for every time I heard this, you know, People say, you know what, I'm just going to, my kids will take care of me, I'm never going to go into a home, I'm just going to, you know, die in my sleep at night at the ripe old age of 90. Well, you know, that's great if you knew that was going to be the case, but, you know, we know that the majority of Americans, when they get into their senior years, will eventually need some type of long-term care. They'll be in a long-term care facility for some amount of time. So you know, this is a problem. People ignore it a lot. And the other thing is too, is that traditionally they think that, you know, long-term care insurance is so expensive too. And yeah, it's not the cheapest thing in the world, but there are ways and different products out there now where, you know, it's much more affordable. You can get joint coverage between a husband and wife. And remember, if you're trying to plan for long-term care, you, you don't have to Have insurance to cover the whole dollar amount. If you get insurance, you can just get a little bit to help out, or you can have have another type of plan for maybe you self insure. And there's nothing wrong with that, but you just need to be able to make sure that you've got a plan in place one way or another.
0: Again, if you need help putting together your own financial plan, Scott Searles is there for you. Uh, And that includes things like planning for long term care expenses. It's not all about just what you're investing. It's about so much more. Uh, you can call Scott 888 742 0111 or skyboxfinancialgroup.com. And we'll put a link in the description of today's show where you can even schedule a free consultation with Scott right from your smartphone or computer. All right, last but not least, Scott, one more flirting with disaster example is when people follow the classic 60 40 portfolio. So, first of all, what in the world is that, the sixty forty portfolio, and why would that? be classified as one of these flirting with disaster elements?
1: Well, you know what? So the classic 60-40 portfolio is 60% stocks and 40% bonds. And that's kind of been around for a while. And a lot of people just kind of pick that as like a moderate portfolio to protect them from the downside and give them a little bit growth. But in today's environment, things have changed so dramatically with the markets the economy, that that classic 60-40 portfolio is not going to work more than likely the way you expect it to. So what we do with everybody, when you're retired, everybody's situation is gonna be different. Different accounts you're getting income from, you know, different accounts that maybe you're gonna leave for your children one day. You know, those portfolios all need to be invested a little bit differently. You know, That 60-40 portfolio, you know, if we go through another 2008 kind of market crash or something there's going to be tremendous losses in a 60-40 portfolio and that may be fine for some people but a lot of retirees they're not really prepared for anything like that and they don't think that that portfolio would necessarily perform that way so that's why it's important to have a portfolio structured specifically for you as far as the percentages and for the different types of accounts and what you're going to use them for then what you wanna do is you wanna stress test them or, or test them against these different types of environments that we've seen before. Stress tested if interest rates go up a percent and a half. Stress tested if the markets go through another financial crisis like 2008. We have a lot of volatility and, and you know this is not the time to just go stick into the 60-40 portfolio rules because uh, you, know, you find, may find that you are indeed flirting with your retirement disaster.
0: So interesting, I think, to look at these different examples and realize that these disasters can come from lots of different angles, from out-of-date documents to following the wrong strategies to failing to plan for certain things or just overlooking, um, you know, very obvious problems like the tax issues uh, that lie in all of our portfolios. Um, You know, if we've just even been doing a good, some of these things, you've been doing a good job, like you've created a problem because you've done such a good job saving in the case of the the tax situation. So we often don't equate those things to being problems, but they can create additional ways for us to fall into some retirement planning pitfalls and uh, commit some of these mistakes. So, If you think you might be flirting with disaster, some of the things that we covered on today's show, or maybe it's something else that you have big questions about when it comes to your financial plan, again, don't hesitate to reach out to Scott Searles. You can do that by going to skyboxfinancialgroup.com or talktoscott.com if you want to schedule a free consultation from your smartphone or computer. And all the contact information you need is in the description of today's show, in the show notes section, as it might be called on some apps. Just go check that out, and you can get in touch very easily all right it's time to find out uh, a little bit more about scott and our getting to know you segment this week it's getting to know you time hey, yeah, yeah. well it's time to get to know scott searles a little bit better on today's show and uh, to get to know you this week scott got a good question for you um what is something that you've done before that you'll never do again Well, there's
1: actually quite a lot of things. I was going to say, the list is long, (laughs) isn't it? (laughs) One one big glaring example, though, in my mind is spinny rides. I call them spinny rides, right? And uh, that's what I used to call them with my kids. But no, I can't do any type of amusement park ride that spins me around because I will, let's just say that – I will lose the cookies. Okay, so I you know, so the the scram
0: the scrambler is not your favorite ride. No,
1: and, and it all started back I think when I was actually dating my wife. We went to the local little fair here in town, and I re- I rode the uh, the swings. They had the swings, and then you know they weren't real high swings, but you just swing around on the little swings around in a circle. I got off that thing, went behind a tet, and it was ugly, so <laughs> and, and and I've tried it, you know, before, and it's the same thing. I just can't handle them. Tilt a whirls, any type of spinny ride at all, I just can't handle. So I will indeed never get on a spinny ride again. I know better.
0: I won't say I'll never get on one again, but I definitely am not yearning to get on one right now. Uh, so I'll, I'll throw my hat in there with you. Like I'll probably never get on some of those spinny type rides again. To me, it's, it's the ones that are just a circle over and over and over and over. Like a regular old roller coaster, fine. I don't care what it does. Upside down, you know, fast up, fast down, whatever we want to do, sideways, it's all good. Um, dangle or not, I don't care. But if it's, uh, if it's got that s- constant spinning element, those just get intense after a while. We, call, uh, we have this one that Connie and I did when, back when we were dating in the early days. And uh it was it's like a little it was just two rockets that just sort of like spun around in a circle but then went vertical as they continued to spin in a circle. And like as you're as you're going like oh the the G forces as you would go up and down would cause your voice to go oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> and Connie could not stop laughing while I was going oh <laughs> And then, and then it turned into after a few minutes of like, oh, when are they going to stop this ride? We get it, we get it, get us off. So we call that this. So now, whenever any one of us feels a little nauseous, we always say, uh "Oh, spinny yellow ride." Yeah, <laughs> sorry.
1: And you know, and I'm with you too. This whole circle spinny thing. Yeah, you know, here, here in. in northeast ohio we have cedar point which you know and i love roller coasters so i love cedar point i love going on the roller coasters they have this one ride called the wind seeker i think it's called where it's you know, spinny chair things so it goes around but walter this thing goes it's a huge tower and it goes i don't know hundreds of feet in the air it's i mean it is tall and it's taller than the ferris wheel and all these things. So you get in a chair, it takes you all the way up, hundreds of feet in the air, and then spins you around in this big circle. And those are my two biggest fears, heights and spinning. I mean, you, I would never go so on they, that they thing.
0: combined them for you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <Yeah. laughs> yep. No fun, no fun. Uh, not at I, all. I think the most intense ride I've been on, believe it or not, was at the fair. And it's that one where you step into this like cylindrical thing and then you lay up against the wall. And then it just starts spinning around, and then it spins so fast that the centrifugal force keeps you up against the wall, and then the floor drops out from underneath you, so you're literally just pinned to the wall by the by the force.
1: I think that's called like the rotor or something. Right? Something,
0: yeah, maybe yeah. different fairs call it a different yeah. name. I don't know, but uh, but yeah, that one I remember doing and being pretty intense. Like mm-hmm. this is this is a lot of it feels like a lot of G forces, you know, sticking you up against that wall. It just doesn't seem right. Like this just doesn't seem right. <laughs> this isn't this can't yeah. be good for the body. That yeah. one I would throw up there with being a little too intense. Also because it's at the fair and I always feel a little sketchy about fair rides. So
1: Well, you probably just had some funnel cake and fair fries before you true, got on there, true. too.
0: That adds to it a little bit, doesn't yeah. it? Too yeah. funny. Well, there you go. Uh, bringing back both good memories and bad at the same time, it sounds like. Talking about the amusement rides on today's show. Some things we would probably not do again, if, uh, even if the chance presented itself. All right, uh, time to wrap up this week's show with answering one of your questions. Bradley is on deck. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. All right, if you want to submit a question to be featured on the show, you can do that by going to skyboxfinancialgroup.com and uh, just look for the contact form in ways. Uh, Bradley says, should I be completely maxing out my 401k and Roth IRA before opening a taxable brokerage account? Or is there a benefit to opening a separate brokerage account to provide more flexibility, even if those aren't fully maxed out to their yearly contribution limits?
1: You know what Bradley that is a great question and I'm glad that you're thinking about this because you know I I don't know how old you are or anything like that but you know I'm glad that you are even thinking about maxing out your your 401k and Roth IRA but I like that aspect of it but you are also correct in thinking about you need a little bit more flexibility because the last thing you want is to have money in a taxable ticking tax time bomb 401k plan when you retire and I've got plenty of clients that the majority of their money is in their retirement accounts when they retire. Then what happens is that they don't have any flexibility. Every penny they're taking out to spend is taxable. So you want to have a mixture of different types of accounts when you get to retirement. You want to be able to have that taxable brokerage account that you can grab money from and you don't have to worry about paying taxes definitely the Roth IRA. And the other thing I would mention, though, is if you're going to max out that 401k or, or contribute anything to that, you should be doing your Roth 401k option inside there. Now, your company contributions are going to go in regular pre-tax IRA dollars, but you can put your employee contribution in as Roth. Then you'll start building that tax-free bucket. But the other reason why it makes sense for you to start to open and put money into that brokerage account too is for emergencies, nest eggs, things that you may have to pay for before you're 59 and a half because you can't access the Roth or the 401k before 59 and a half. But you want to have that that savings, that, that money that you can access before you get to retirement. So really good question. I, I hope that helped you out and kind of steering you in the right direction.
0: That's a great point and really good question, Bradley. Thanks for sending that one in to us. And again, we always invite your questions, whether it's something to be featured on the show or if you'd like to have a more private one-on-one conversation with Scott and the team at Skybox Financial Group. It's easy to get in touch. Again, call 888 0111 or go to skyboxfinancialgroup.com. And you can also just check the description of the show today for contact information to make it easy on you. Scott, appreciate your help and guidance and advice on the show today. Enjoy some more lacrosse games and uh, coaching that I know you have on tap, and we'll talk again in a few weeks.
1: You got it, Walter. I appreciate it. Go Tribe. Take care.
0: That's Scott Surtles I'm Walter Storholt. Talk to you soon right back here on the Retirement Toolbox.